0: ...to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers! ...turn in handle Lynch, left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his legs moving. He's across the 40, midfield! 45, he's on the run, Lynch! 40, pushes Whoa. the man, 35, look at him go! He's down to 20, 15, he's a go! He is gonna go! Touchdown, Seahawks! Oh, my word! A 67-yard run! Marshawn Lynch, Unbelievable! The Beast is alive and well! Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. The ball is on. Game over! Touchdown! The game is over! The Seahawks are going back to the Super Bowl! Russell Wilson! He did more pirouettes than a ballerina! He only throws to the middle. it has been decided maybe since the safety in the first quarter 12 they're bringing the trophy home your seahawks super bowl 48 champion
1: ladies and gentlemen seahawks and football fans everywhere a very, very warm welcome back to the we talk seahawks football pocket we talk seahawks football podcast what the that fucked that, that, me intro up already um We've we just started off a about a twenty minute showdown and my head's already scrambled. I'm already knackered. We're all like giddy school kids who've just been asked to the prom and it it, it feels pretty good. We're all pretty running off uh, those endorphins at the them, I think. Um adrenaline, whatever it is that's flowing through my body. It's not uh, it's not heroin or cocaine, I can assure you. Um it's all completely natural. Um thirty seven thirty one. Little little plug here for, for both myself and a fellow podcast, Raw the Lions UK, went on there, Detroit Lions podcast, the UK podcast the other day. Um, I did say we'd lose, but I did say the score would be 37-31. So I got it half right. So a little little shout out there for myself, right? Absolutely nailed the score. No pez before you ask it. I didn't have money on it because I know what you're like. Ooh, you no, I didn't have a fiver on it. So I know I'm regretting that a little bit. Um, but yeah. So a little I'm quite happy with myself this week. Um and I'm quite happy with my COS. And I'm especially happy with a certain few players that we're gonna get into tonight, um, both on offense and defence, as we always do. Um, but before we get into it, Mr. Positive himself, he must be positive this week. How are you, mate?
2: I'm good, mate. I'm good. good.
1: Um, I I was, I was looking forward
2: to this until you went on to the enemies podcast and basically rimmed them off by going oh yeah you guys are gonna win that's the <laughs> no, no last no, time you no, ever no, no. go on a rival podcast and no chance
1: no I chance start, i didn't start looking ass i didn't start. i just said you know with backup or offensive tackles but blah, 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 i just said i wasn't very confident that's all i said and i got the score bang on I didn't say they were gonna blow us out it doesn't if it was
2: the Seahawks and the score was bang on I would have been like yeah you should have told me beforehand and I would have put it on do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm so happy though like you you you, James last week anyone who listened last week when he completely side my positive we pairs go. oh, yeah, we're going to lose granted do you know what I won't dig him too bad yes last week was a shit show but when we're in the positive perception, as all our regulars know, it's our positive place. We could be 0-10 and, and we're still going to win. Like It's just where we're at. And he has to come in with his negativity going, oh, the Lions, look at them. Oh, they're amazing. And then goes on the Lions Raw podcast and he's like, oh, you guys are amazing. You've got to win. Oh, yeah. But you're tickling them as well for bloody mind. <laughs> Dick. But anyway, do you know what I love? I love more than this win. This win, it was so entertaining. It was great. The thing I love the most about this game is how many people wrote us off. Experts and their predictions. There was one guy who, I think it's the NFL Network, one guy said we'd win. Everyone else said we'd lose. All the fantasy podcasts, play all your Lions. The Lions are going to destroy them. Granted, some of them in fantasy terms would have done quite well. Oh, yeah, the Seahawks. The shit, they're going to get wiped off off, off the field and all that. Jamar Gibbs. Huh. Didn't really go that well, did it? How do you all feel? I'm in the predictor league with uh, the quick snap guys. And I went on there this morning because I thought if Harry had put the Lions to win, I would have disowned him. But he's the only one who backed the Seahawks. The rest of them said the Lions were going to. Just had to go on there, didn't I? And go, you all feel pretty stupid this morning, don't you?
0: Yeah. Well, that's me too. Hello, everyone. Rich, how are you doing? Happy yeah, well, I'm very good. I'm very good. I feel, um, I feel like the season began in week two. <laughs> i Gonna forget all about week one. Um, yeah, I, I really feel like that. That winning feelings back that I thought we were gonna get in week one. Obviously, most Seahawks fans, you know, thought we were gonna get that in week one, but it's back now. The league is back. The winning feelings back. Um. The, the the offensive juggernaut that I thought we could be seemed to, to to show signs that it is there even if it was minus our two starting tackles and um, all my positivity which was uh, sapped from me last week seems to be coursing back through my veins and uh, yeah I was I was hyped to get onto this pod um, with, with what. We're just over twenty-four hours after the start of that game, and I, you know, oh, I just wanted to get straight into this pod and, and get these um, feelings of joy out. So you're going to have to, you know, listen to me being uh, just gushing positivity about the Seahawks this week. I'm afraid. Oh, I,
1: I can't, I can't stand that, dear Me, I'm not looking forward to that at all. How will we cope? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick things off. Okay, because where else are we going to start than Geno Smith? Because um, we always start with the offense on these podcasts, we always start with the main man, Geno Smith. Um, Thirty-two for forty-one, three hundred and twenty-eight yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> I thought, all right, there, prez. Yeah, we're all I'm glad good. Just check, just make sure you are right there, you, Cheers. you, <laughs> you know, you've something to say on that on stat line. Um, the only thing, perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about Geno Smith's performance from the Lions for me was that stupid boneheaded decision in the fourth quarter <sighs> to sack himself. Um and and that was a bit of the old Geno Smith coming back in as a little bit of a little bit of a flashback. Um but other than that, I thought he was efficient. I thought the play calls on the offence was excellent. I thought he was reading the defence and taking what they gave them really well. Um far, far better than last week. Um and, and I've just we, it's what we all know. We, we, when he's on, when he's on form, when he's not getting hit, this is what Geno Smith looks like. When, when we're protecting him, this is what Geno Smith can do. This is the level he's at. He's, he's no joke anymore. You know, take this guy seriously because if we can protect him, he's going to win his football games and he's going to put up very good stat lines because he doesn't really turn the ball over. He throws a beautiful ball, um, and and he, and and we've got so many weapons for him to 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 pick his poison. It, it's it we just we will we will win games and we will carve up defences. We've just gotta keep protecting him. Um so I'll, I'll I'll throw in the guys because 'cause I'm on about protecting him as well. Geno Smith's success comes in tandem with the play of Stone Forsyth and Jake Curran um uh, from this week. Without Jake Curran and Stone Forsyth coming in and playing as well as they did when I'll hold my hands up. I will freely admit um I did not expect them to play as well as they didn't hold up as well as they did because, you know, no no sacks allowed on Gino they, they, against a decent lines uh, defensive front. Um, I mean, what a tremendous job. And they've allowed Gino Smith and the offence to have the, the, the day that they've had. So um, I think talking about the, those three is, is a bit of a package in terms of the context of the game. Um, so I'll start with you, Pez. Gino, Jake Curran, Stone, Forsyth. As a, as a collective, what what did you make of that three?
2: Yeah, really impressed. Um when I was in the game, I completely forgot that them two, them two were actually the tackles. Like I was just like, I didn't even register it, and that's like how, because Gino just he looked like himself again. Like like he said last week, something my brother said before the season started, he made a point like he said that he would have liked to see the starters play more in preseason because he always has this feeling, feeling like with pre-season being shorter and training being more condensed because of health and safety, he says he feels like the teams who don't play the starters a lot normally struggle, and it takes him a couple of weeks going. Um, And we saw that week one, but then he looked like back to his old self. Like I said, he looked composed in the pocket, two very, very raw tackles, and he just was playing like the Gino we were expecting, what was really good to see. Um, And... I'd, I'd, I'd say, do you know, out of all the teams who struggled last week or lost, at, who didn't play their starters, I think we looked like the most improved team from week to week out. All them teams, like the Chiefs, Chiefs looked like they were still just like trying to figure themselves out, like just struggled through that game. Um, and really, we should have, in all, all, after week one, we should have got destroyed of them lines bike and it was partly down to just Gino getting back to last season's form so I was very impressed yeah um, I do have a stat we're back we've yeah. we got the stat so Gino Smith was 20 for 23 to, uh, when targeting wide receivers and he was 9 for 10 when targeting tight ends that's back up back up offensive tackles no run game Playing the Lions' defense on the road—that's that 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 tweet, what a screenshot—just sums up Geno Smith's performance. Like all, but I'd just like to say what I never got in at the start because I was got a bit overexcited and ahead of myself was on the predictions podcast. I did tell you both when you were both umming and awing because this game be close. I had facts. We do not lose to the Lions. Pete Carroll does not lose to the Lions. I don't know what they've done to him or his family, but he mm. just does. He turns into a different animal. Did you see him on the sideline? Like, actually some emotion, aren't old fella? It was good to see.
1: On the uh, on the grounding call when he was absolutely losing his shit. Yeah. Yes. Um, well and right,
0: rightly so as well, by the way.
1: Probably put the yeah, oxygen so. mask on after it went... <laughs> 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 Sat next
2: to locket with the oxygen basket. <laughs> <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> Tyler,
0: get the fuck out of the way.
1: Fuck you though.
2: Um, but yeah, Gino's yeah, performance. Very impressed.
1: Yeah, so um, like I say, Gino, it, I know PFF is not everything, but Gino gets a 79.8 grade, which was the highest of Eddie Seahawk um on offense and as we've talked about the two guys as well, Stone Forsyth got 70.4 and Evan Brown got 70.1. Forgive me. I don't know what Jake one won, but it can't have been far behind that either. Um, Stone Forsyth got a 75.2 grade in pass protection as well. Um, so what did you make of those three, Gino and, and the backup offensive line? And and also as well, when we think about it, Oliwala with as well had to come in. That, that was such a banged up whole line that Gino had to work with. Um, so, what 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 were your thoughts on on Gino and, and the all line protecting him?
0: Um, I, it surprised me. I'll be honest. After last week, I thought I attributed probably wrongly um, our change of of um, fortune in the Rams game to the two tackles going out, um, hmm. and maybe that was a fairly big factor. But um, after watching them last night. And like Paz said, one of the biggest compliments you can play to them is that at times you could forget that they were even out there because if you're not hearing their name called for, um, you know, yellow flags and you're not hearing them called because they've been beaten by a pass rusher, then you're probably not going to hear their names at all. And we didn't. So in that respect, I think they, they've had really good games. Obviously, the grades back that up. Um they're clearly slightly better in pass pro than they are in the run game. I think setting the edge and allowing um, allowing uh, outside runs to, to mature is an area that they're not the strongest. But then that wasn't what really we really asked for them for most of the game, was it? And um, for the most part, uh, Gino had a clean pocket. There were some occasions, there was a few in the first half, where Gino made connections for five to six yards throwing out of a sack there were a few times where i thought if he didn't like I'd, I'd have been happy for him to throw it away and not take the sack but somehow he was getting the ball offloaded to tight ends and wide receivers and running backs and saving saving himself and getting a, a small game um so i think i think that might flatter them very slightly in the respect that gino had uh, showed some really good footwork and some really quick release um, to, to, make those plays, but it doesn't change mm. the fact that they gave him enough time to make plays and we won the game, uh, without them really having a, bl- uh, you know, a black mark on their name. Um, you mentioned teamy as well. I think that's a really interesting, um, point because when he came into the game, it wasn't like we were ahead in the game and we were protecting it. We were fighting for a lead and, um, Gina was managing to march up the field, uh, and keep scoring. I think we, we responded to them going ahead three times, right? I think they mm-hmm. went ahead they went ahead, they had go go ahead scores three times. So um on the team, he was in the game while we were chasing it. It wasn't like he was just you know managing the game until um until the starting center came back. He was actively part of us chasing the game. Um so I think that's a really solid um experience for him as well. Solid experience for all three of them. Um and I think Gino can be pretty confident that uh, the O line depth is a bit better than we initially gave it credit for. And James, mm. yes, we got uh, Jason Peters as well. Uh, <laughs> just
1: you we have didn't to have to. Up.
0: We didn't have to wheel him out. We didn't have to wheel him out, did we? So
1: I'll fucking physically wheel him out is what we would have had to have done. <laughs> Whenever he comes on, we're going to have to physically wheel him out, deliver him on a cart. Um, no, it, yeah. it's um, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from from Stone Forsyth um, and Jake Curran and and, and any of the offensive line that have had to come in. They were all absolutely excellent. We know that. but um I, someone needs to someone needs their props for me, and it's and he's not getting it in terms of the 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 the, the sort of headlines coming out with the game. The game plan to help those guys out was perfectly executed by Shane Waldron. Um, the thing that made our our offense click, last season for me was the tight end inclusion and a lot of that 13 personnel. Um, if it wasn't 13 personnel, we had two tight ends on the field, minimum pretty much every offensive snap. We put our two best blockers out pretty much every offensive player that are out there, Corby and Will Disley, um, and then Northant comes in when, when they want to, you know, cut something up over the middle. Um, but in terms of protection and blocking, the, 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 the The transition and the idea to rely on those tight ends heavily in that in that game because you could see they were out there all the time. What did we say? What did I I can remember saying it personally coming out of the the Rams game? Where was Noah Fant? Where were the tight ends in that game when we needed something for the offense to start working? We clamoured for it on here, and then in this game when you've got backup offensive tackles out there, a, a backup center out there for some period of the game, what 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 can we do to help? them as much as we possibly can in pass blocking and run blocking, whatever it is, in just protecting the quarterback. And it's by putting Disley out there, Partison out there, chip blocking, extra blockers out there. It was it was perfect to help take one-on-one pressure off Storm Forsyth, off Jake and give them an extra extra bit of help out there, um, you know, the extra little double team when we can get it. And and you could and you could see. So I don't want to. I, I don't. I'm not trying to take away and say that um, Jake, Curran and Stone Force. didn't play excellent or anything like that. They did. Um, and 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 the North sacks on Geno is is largely down to their playing how well they held up as well. Uh, but that help and that game plan of putting those extra tight ends out there, helping them out, and and and, and not just making them go isolated one on one. I think was an absolutely excellent game plan and then you had the the sort of additional boost of 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 tight end weapons um outside of of, of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Fant, Parkington and Disley where we three next best yardage receivers um in that game and outside of Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett PFF wise Fant and Will Disley were our next best offensive graded players um so that just shows you that the game plan worked for for, for the tight end inclusion um so I thought that was an excellent little master stroke from Shane Waldron to help those guys out um, that isn't maybe being spoken about as enough as it needs to be. Um so I don't know what your thoughts are on, on the tight end inclusion this week. Pez, I'll start with you.
2: Well yeah like it's the formula isn't it like the start nine for ten to targeting tight ends all oh, last year we looked our best when Gino targeted the tight ends when the tight ends were heavily involved in our game plan. Mm -hmm. we normally won like we looked amazing we looked great this is like yeah this is it this is it my biggest thing with that listening to you is does that not scare you though that again yes we've won yay but is that not just the trap of Pete Carroll that's just the rod. is you're a fishing man James the rod the bait (laughs) bobbing along I'm gonna give him a nice juicy one. This is a fucking. This is the premium bait. I don't know fishing premium. This is my expensive ship. Evidently, Ooh, thank you. Next week, uh, let's let's we've got him. Let's go back to how we did it before because I need to be involved. And then we scratching our heads against a team like the Panthers, like last year, like. Everything you just said, where's the tight ends? They've disappeared off the face of the earth. Why are we struggling against the Panthers? We should be destroying them. Is, are, are we not just doing what we do every time we win, we fall into the trap, and then next week we're back on here? Not me, because I've not got any, but you two are tearing your hair out thinking what the fuck was that? we will
0: find out next bit. week, won't we, press.
2: That's, my, that's all, we'll that's all I've really got. Week. You beautifully articulated your point that I don't Thanks. want to dumb it down. So I'll just say what I took away from that. Mitch?
0: Uh, I really enjoyed our, our usage of the tight ends for, for all the reasons you said, James, for supporting the the tackles with uh, putting some extra big bodies out there, our best blocking bodies out there for a lot of plays um, to, to really... Um, Take the edge off the, the job that was expected of them, but I, I think I think when you look at a stat line that says 135 yards split between the three tight ends, that's outstanding for a team for a team that has underutilized tight ends for as long as I can remember as a Seahawks fan. Granted, I think both of you have probably been Seahawks fans longer than me actually, but um, that I've never seen a consistent good use of, of tight ends in our schemes. Um, and we all hoped that Waldron would bring that. And I think yesterday, like you said, James, the, the plan was to have the extra big bodies there to support the tackles. But but once they started to become like ornaments, uh, you know, they, like they were out there for, for, for that one purpose as. As those those uh those extra bodies they really utilize them and not just one of them it wasn't just when fant was on the field it was i think the first one to take the big the big reception was disley wasn't it and he was bowling through a couple and got a big first down and it was a, it was a superb use of a really good tight end room that we have no superstar in there just three solid reliable contributors that they schemed in and used really well yesterday that was my take on that yeah and just
2: yeah it's like you say that again and you say like what my point what i made with like how you said like for a team that struggles to use a tight end that is my biggest concern with it it's like we've seen what we can be and then are we
0: just jumping back on the ride for the bloody roller coaster well, like, the, the thing is Pez, like each team in the in each franchise in the nfl will have things they do well things they do regularly that become part of their their identity as an NFL team, and there'll be things that they don't do as much. And as as Seahawks fans, we know we run first. We don't use tight ends that much, and we use deep threat wide receivers like on offense. That's that's if you described People. that, yeah. If you describe that, if you said name which name which NFL team runs first, uses deep threat wide receivers, and barely uses its tight ends. I think most most NFL fans would get that within one or two guesses. But it, It's just us; we can't be everything. We can't. We can't. Like we, we'll never draft um, a, a a really talented wide tight end in the draft. We just never will because we we're never going to use them, and because we're never going to use them properly, they'll never want to pay them. They're not going to want to go. I, like I get
2: that. everything you're saying, but again, you're just kind of proving my point to. The tight end usage works. So why do we seem to be one of the only teams in the league who believes that they could essentially come into season? We thought we were going to be a contender. Our tight end usage, when we use it, it works. We look effective. So why don't we just use that? I I know the answer. It's like a rhetorical question. I just want to get it out there. Like you just you're just confirming everything why i'm just like do i want do i want to get back on the train of that works and that's really effective for us and that should be the identity of our offense but i'm not going to do that because i want to run
0: the ball first but if it, but if it was our identity, teams would scheme for, and it, it wouldn't be as effective. Sometimes, sometimes you need to go into a game and think, okay, this is going to be a rough one. What can we do that they're going to have to adapt to that is not going to be in their game plan? But like James said, the tight ends were out there for possibly a different purpose. But while they're on the field, use them where you can. Scheme something in. You know, you know, they they did they did something there that the, the Lions probably weren't coming into that game thinking. We really need to think about what we're going to do with the Seahawks tight ends in this game. <laughs> that was 100 percent not the conversation. Ken Walker would be the conversation. They'd maybe have a conversation about where they get. Is this the week where they establish JSN? Is this going to be? Um, are they going to try and establish the run game really heavy in the first half and then try and hit us with bombs over the top? To 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 well, Metcalf, who had a great game against them last year, Metcalf. So- I was just
2: about to tra- tra- I was just about to say before you mentioned his name, I was gonna transition into something because you make a good point that I think the running backs there's a bit more of a conversation because, like you said, they clearly, after what Ken did to them last year, schemed up for Ken because he was he had he had his moments but he struggled in this game. But Jesus Christ, did he just think let's just stop Ken Walker and let DK just do what the frig he wanted all over the football field, because he made up for last week, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go, like, didn't drop a pass. Like, yeah, he was out. He had that injury, but he came back in, and he was just an animal. Like, <laughs> and do you know what I liked about it? Sometimes I always felt like Tyler was the... Chucking like the the dump, you know, get the little yards, little yards, little yards, and then DK was the big finisher. This game, it it, this game, it felt to me like they just flipped script. DK was doing all the all the hard work, and Tyler reaped all the reward with the two touchdowns. It's just it was Mm -hmm. nice to see because it worked, and they had zero answers for him. Like after last week when he cost us, and yeah, granted we we stunk so we probably weren't going to win but it might have just looked a little bit prettier than the score actually said but with all these baby antics on the field and stuff like that like he made up for it in spades yeah. for me this game.
0: i want to give a shout out to dk as well for that catch where he got sandwich it's actually the play where he got his, his ribs his ribs said yeah that catch was unreal by the way mm-hmm. for a tall guy to be catching that off his shoelaces while well, sandwiched between two two defensive backs. And he's reaching behind him while going to ground. Honestly, there are not many wide receivers in the league that would catch that ball. That was unbelievable. No. Um, James, quick, I'm going to fire a little question to you here because we've kind of evolved onto a different topic. Um, and I'm just going to fire something to you here. Do you think Pete Carroll will have at some point gone to Geno Smith this week and Shane Waldron and said, let's get DK involved as often as possible um, in this game to try and re Because because he's obviously he's fallen from grace in week one with a little bit with his behaviour and stuff. Do you think there'll have been some conversation without DK there to say, let's get him involved early and often, get him back up to... Back up, get his confidence back up and get him sort of reestablished and get his ego pumped. Do you think that'll be in some kind of uh, plan for that? I them? think
1: I, I absolutely think there will be. I think that I think they they'll be having that conversation every game, and if they're not, they're pretty stupid. Um a, a fully ramped up DK Metcalf, on fire DK Metcalf is a, is about the hardest receiver other than a Tyree kill that you could hope to cover in the NFL. He's almost as quick as Tyree. Tyree Kill. He's twice the size, maybe even three times the size of Tyree Kill, both in, in height and in stature. Um and, and when he's on it, when he when DK is on it like he was against against the Lions this week, he is he's so good. He is so good, and this is why we get so frustrated with DK, because we all see and know how talented he is. Um so I absolutely think that that have been going into that game saying if we can get DK established, because um, you're talking about sort of um how the run game can set up for things over the top and how the run game can tire defenses out. Fuck it. Having to tackle DK Metcalf, having to cover DK Metcalf tires DBs out like you wouldn't imagine. I imagine. I imagine that's how it works. Anyway, if you're having to constantly cover DK, if he's having a, a hell of a game, he's constantly getting the football, you're constantly having to tackle a DK Metcalf because he's getting the ball that much, that must take something out of you as a as a secondary and as a defence in, in general as well. Um, so I, I definitely think that they have game planned to get DK heavily involved in this one because it's just a mismatch.
0: Yeah, I'm th- I i going to add to this a little bit and add something in there. See if Pez has spotted the same thing as his tankers, But... I think it's the biggest, this is going to be controversial after after week one, but I think it might be the biggest improvement I've seen in DK Metcalf from one season to another with the way he's getting in and out of his breaks. Have you noticed how sharp he is with his route running and his breaks in his comebacks? Like He seems to be separating more than I've ever seen him separate. If you think about his, his touchdown in week one, where he, he mm-hmm. sent he sent the wide receiver the sorry he sent the corner for a hot dog and just walked into the end zone with as much time and space as you'll ever see without even touching him. He just sent him one way, walked the other, and it was like he like it was like Jedi mind tricks, man. I'd never seen anyone sell someone so hard with that. And some of the routes he ran with, like the little in in cutting routes and and comebacks um, for big rip off plays, like big chunks he was ripping out of them. Um, lots of important first downs and a lot and. Plus five, six yards, plus ten yards. He was he was sending people to different corners of the field with his with the routes he was running, and that was supposedly his weakness. He wasn't supposed to be able mm-hmm. to run routes, you know, like like uh, more nimble wide receivers. So if, if, have you noticed that as well, Pez? Have you noticed that he seems to be far more polished in in his route running and, and his his uh...
2: yeah. I'd say I'd say yeah. And um, when you were talking, when you were talking, the thing that came to my mind with it is I think it's more to do with, you saw it in this game with all his catches. All his catches were not, you know, your typical, well, I thought anyway, not just your typical DK style of catches. Like I said, he he was like the dog work guy, almost a bit like you could imagine a Pete Carroll doghouse. Do you know, like you're going to do all the dog work, getting all the yards and Tyler's going to be the one who's going to like reap all the rewards, whereas instead of Tyler getting all the chuck and dump and stuff. But do you know what? You, what you were for you saw it this week. I, I, like you said, I saw it this week and I just thought, do you know what it is? It's more like, I think it's more his arrogance, do you know, because he, how he is as a person, he thinks he's better than everyone else. Like that's his mentality. He's always like he's always ready to scrap. He thinks he's bigger, harder, faster than everyone else on the field. But it's normally when he gets humbled or when he does something stupid and he maybe has something to prove, that's when you see these type of things from dK. So like I look at it like because he had a point to prove, and his press conference was solely, I just can't wait to get back out there. And then it's like, that's what he's like that is his talent level
0: yeah
2: i think he's always had it in him to do it don't get me wrong like you said i think he is evolving as he gets older and mature like that that might be a sign of him maturing his like you know attitude might not be maturing but his play might be maturing yeah you know like what i mean if you know where i'm trying to get with it yeah. i okay. i think it's more all on i think the DK Metcalf you get, it all depends on, like, his respect for the person on the opposite side, or if he, like, i.e. last week did something stupid and ha- feels like he has to prove himself. And hopefully, if with age and mature like, with him maturing, he just naturally starts, you know, levelling up in his play, then the end of this year, next year, like, you're going to start hitting them Calvin Johnson comparisons where it's going to be second nature and he's just going to become a formidable yeah. object.
0: I think the thing the thing that I mentioned that, that was the, the real stand for me was just how easily he was separating from people. And if you think about the way that our wide receiver room changed this offseason, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because you've got Jake Bobo that's gone in there and, Jay, uh, and Tyler Lockett and um, D.K. Metcalf both came out and said, I don't know how he does it, that, that, that separation, I don't know how he gets it. Because they know he's not the quickest, they know he's not the most physical, but he's as good as anyone in that wide receiver room at getting space. And also, don't forget, you've thrown JSN in there, who's a rookie, and, and both, again, both of them and um, Gino Smith all came out and said, his route running and how he gets out of his breaks is unbelievable. So DK, this established NFL star, has—I don't want to say he's been dished up humble pie with with the recruitment that you know the people that have come in, but I think I think he definitely could have looked at those two players and gone, "There's room for me to improve my game because these guys are year one players, and there were, there's things in their game that are better than mine after three years." So I think there might be a certain amount of him looking on at those players that he's competing for snaps with, albeit not many, because Jake is not going to take many off DK Metcalf, but they're players that are going to share the game with him, doing things better than him. Maybe it's just a reality check that these are areas I can improve. I think you've got
2: a very good point there, whilst you're talking then, because um, I did see a tweet. I didn't think much of it because it wasn't like, you're, like you know verified person. But during training camp, he, 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 by the sounds of it, he must have gone to training camps and he said that DK was spending a lot of time with JSN. Yeah. Like, they always seem to be paired together. Now, there could be, from what you were saying, there could be some comparisons there where you are right, like, Jake Bobo's come in. Because the thing with DK is he, he comes across like an arrogant person. But... I don't think he is as bad as what people actually be. Do you know behind closed doors?
0: I think his on-the-field bravado is very different from yeah. his
2: locker room bravado. Oh, 100%. I think he is actually more humble than everyone gives him credit for. And it won't surprise me. And do you know then, behind uh, behind the um, screen like no reporters training, he's actually working with a Jake Bobo and a thing. Because he's, like you said, he's probably looked at Jake Bobo and gone, I am one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. But I get locked up quite easy off like a Jalen Ramsey. Um, I put it in the Discord. DK is going to have a wet dream this week playing the Panthers. because Jesse. there's no J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn's locked him up every single time he's played. And the thing with DK is he has to do this to evolve. You made a good point, what I thought as well. He has to do it to evolve because I heard something during the week that these DBs are getting just as fast as the wide receivers. The wide receivers, when DK first came in, That was like the end of a breed of DB where the wide receiver always had the speed on them. Now, then you look at Tariq Wollum coming in, you look at some of these other DBs coming in, and they can match for match. So DK, in a way, to still be talked about as an elite weapon, he has to not just go, I'm quick, I'm big, I'm going to bully you. It is another edge. Yeah, do you know what? It's something do you know what you made a, that's something I'm gonna watch out for from now on because you made a very valid point was something I didn't really I just I made a mental note watching him thinking I just feel like DK's all over the field more than he normally is this game. He's catching passes in areas I don't I'm not used to DK. Like, do you know when he catches it because I'm watching it on a tablet and I'm like, who's that who's caught that? I'm like, Is well, that DK?
0: why is he, he watch- dead? When you get a sack, watch back. If you can find highlights of uh, Metcalf's catches in that game, not don't don't just look at the separation he gets on his routes. Look at the timing of them for when the ball's thrown, because that is what JSN did so well in college. It wasn't necessarily that he was running the perfect route or he was running it really cleanly. It was the timing of his breaks out of it that just seemed to give him all the time in the world for the quarterback to throw in the ball. It's because he was timing them perfectly. If DK takes just a tiny little bit of that from JSN, he is formidable. Because when 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 DBs have to stop DK, they have to overcome his speed, his height advantage, his reach advantage, his physicality. If they suddenly have to beat his timing out of out of his out of his uh, cutbacks and roots, they are toast. Because if you, if if he's that much cleaner out of them, you've got to beat him with with everything you have the entire game.
2: You make a very valid point as well because do you know what that will probably do as well? It will slow him down a bit, and I think he like yeah, a, a fast DK Metcalf is probably a nightmare to slow down. But could you imagine uh, just eighty uh, percent speed, but with perfect timing and perfect route running? How much harder an absolute solid object? Well, I, I think that's going to be that would be worse because the timing element will actually make up for the speed he's dropped off yeah. and made him even harder to... Like you basically just said, you made a very good point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't think yeah, that's it, where the pod was going to go with certain players, but it's an eye-opener. All right.
1: It's a really interesting point. It's a really interesting discussion we've had there on, on, on DK. If, like I say, my two senses, and I agree with absolutely everything you, you've both said there, um, is that if you were to probably meet dk and if you ever watch anything with with dk and he comes across as the nicest most humble softly spoken down to earth human being you'd probably ever meet um i just think sometimes when he gets onto the field, he tries to play up to his almost like a bit of an alter ego that he kind of has this character that he plays with the pacifier in and the big guy and DBs love to go at him because they know he's a shit talker and and and, 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 and he gets in his own head a little bit. And it feels like whenever he has a bad week or he lets himself down or whatever, the, the best DK you get is bounce back DK and and he, he never, ever doesn't have a bad bounce-back game. The only the only people that can stop DK is, is DK himself. Um, so that, that's <laughs> that's that, a solid that, point. That, that, yeah, that, that's, that's my two cents on it. Go on, Pez.
2: From what you just said there, I think the the thing from what you said there for me is it's what happens when a wide receiver is brought up by an all-lineman. You, you're a gentleman off the field, but when you get on that field, you kill everyone in sight. Because that's what an old lineman Good is. Point. You don't find many old linemen off the field who aren't humble. Jason Kelsey, he's probably the yes, most I'm televised most old lineman. He is a horrible man on that football field. Get him off the field. Mm-hmm. He's, you wouldn't know him from Adam if he came over to UK and you didn't watch NFL. You wouldn't know yeah, He's I just yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know. And I think that's what you get when an old lineman brings up an a, a, a elite talent
1: in a different yep, position. Fair point. Fair point. Um, before we transition onto the defense, I'm going to read you in nice two little juicy stats and then we're going to get onto the defense. Um, Geno Smith, these are both from um, ESPN stats info. Um, Geno Smith's fifth game with at least 300 passing yards and a 70% completion rate since the start of 2022. That's tied with, only tied with Patrick Mahomes for the most in the NFL over that span. Um, and then Tyler Lockett. Um, tenth career game with multiple receiving touchdowns. The only other player in Seahawks history with double-digit games with multiple receiving touchdowns is Steve Largent, who is of course a Hall of Fame player. Um, so two little nuggets there to end the uh, to end the offense on as we transition into the defense. And what we normally do on on the defense is we start D line and work our way back. I'm going to flip it on its head this week um, because I think the bigger and, and better talk. I know I'm, I'm going way off the box. Uh, way outside the box. But I think the bigger talking points this week are maybe in the defensive backfield and, and in the and in the linebacker group than on the defensive line. Um, so I'm gonna start with in the secondary. And and do you know what I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read the, the, the stat lines out as well as as I do the, the notable ones for the defense. Um, our tackles leader was Julian Love at safety with 10 total tackles and three assisted so 13 overall. Um, Trey Brown one sack, one interception, and Draymond Jones also got himself a sack in that game as well. Um, obviously, second in tackles was Bobby Wagner, no surprise there, and then and then Jordan Brooks behind him. Um, so I'm going to start with a guy who had the most tackles on the team, ten and three assisted. Julian Love, because um, I've seen some mixed opinions on Julian Love coming out of the out of the Lions game um, that he wasn't very good. Some people think he he, he is good. When when we signed him. I, I, I cast my mind back onto this podcast that I think we were all very happy. I was very happy um that that that, that we would sign Julian Love obviously it came with a caveat that it meant ryan Neal was was replaced and we all love Neil um and and obviously you know Julian Love cost about five million dollars more. um i I didn't I'll have to go back and watch as much of the games I possibly can to to form myself a better opinion on how Julian Love played. Um, in my opinion, from what I can remember, none of the big, big chunk players that we gave up were down to Julian Love. Other, other than um, where I can't remember who it was for the Lions, but it was right at our goal line, uh, and I put it in our Discord at the time, and I couldn't. I, I was quite annoyed with it. Um, but he had a chance to wrap up. It might have been the tight end or something, um, and and he, and he and he hit him from behind, and he and he leaned with his shoulder pad. He went in with a shoulder pad instead of wrapping up from behind and if it had just wrapped up with his two arms just proper tap, tackling technique as we preach so many times on this podcast um, then that would have been stopped for for 15 yards sort of less than what it needed to have been um, that was my only gripe that I had from Julian Love, interestingly enough I don't know if you've listened to Trey Brown's press conference after the game, another guy that we're going to get on to, uh, but Trey Brown's press conference from immediately after the game he said that Julian Love put him in that exact position for that interception, that pick six. He said before that player was called, he told him that, that, to look out for exactly what happened and put him in that position, basically. Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> I saw it was condensed formation. Uh, you know, they like the uh, 26 is their scat back guy. They're running a lot of Texas routes. You know, that's where they got the angle route, in breaking route. So my safety had put me in a really good call, smash, you know, cover two, basically. And so all those guys went in. I only only person I had was the running back to my side, so I knew I was able to squeeze that. And um, I chased that uh, route, and then I looked up. Next thing I know, the ball was in my hands, and then uh, I just ran to the races. It was Julian.
0: Julian made that uh, communication call.
1: So maybe a bit of an insight into Julian Love's IQ and reading the reading the offense and reading the reading the um, the situation there as well. Um, so that's that was my two pence on him. I'll I'll open it, I'll open the floor up to, to you both in terms of whoever you want to speak about. It doesn't have to be just Julian Love, because there's, there's 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 loads of talking points in here. If you want to talk about Julian Love, fine. Um, if you've got nothing on Julian Love, if you want to go at a little Trey Brown first, I, I'm I'm happy with that as well. Pez, do you want to go?
2: I'm going to go. I'm going to I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a guess that I reckon Mitch would have some good talking points on Trey Brown. So I'd leave him. I want to talk about Spoon. Yeah. Rocket watch, watch.
0: We
2: could. We could drop a little bit. We could can do a little,
0: little bit. Little teaser. Yeah. Right. I'll. I'll. I'll
2: keep it very, very tame because I'm not going to go as analytical as Mitch is probably is probably got. That's mine.
0: Oh, I've got pages on my phone ready. I'm just going off
2: memory. Mitch will have like an A5 spread, like <laughs> all ready to go with game plays and everything. So I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna ruin anything for Rocky Watch. All I'm simply gonna say is, I, I wanted to speak about him because I made the point that he concerns me a lot. He's not had a preseason, and the over expectation, especially that was before week one, especially after week one, the unnecessary expectation that poor lad's going to have on his shoulders to be the saviour of this team was just unjust. He got done by the... Flea was flicker. it a flea flicker? Yeah, the flea flicker. He got done by that a few a few times. But the thing is, it's nothing we've not seen in training. Like, from when JSN bent him backwards. Like, he got, he got done on a few things. But overall, from eye test, not from anything else, that's how I like to roll, is... I like him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. For a kid who has missed preseason, it's going to take him a couple of games to get going. But do you know what's beautiful about our schedule? I will call it right now, James, for the first time this season, (laughs) he will be a massive, massive factor in why we beat the Bengals after the bye because he's going to have his struggles in these next couple of games. He's Like he did this game, he's probably going to fuck up some shit. He's going to get into that bye week, have some real-time game under his belt. He's going to have time to process it. He's going to have time to think, digest. And I think he's the type of kid who, for stepping on the football field straight away and actually standing out Straight away, standing out. I think by the end of the season, he's just going to be dominant to the point where he's going to start controlling. I I don't think they're going to give him a choice. I think he's just going to start taking over that secondary. Him and Jamal Adams, I've I've been saying it in the Discord, I've been saying it to my brother when we spoke about it. Him and Jamal Adams can transition this whole defence into a different animal. Jamal Adams comes back and he can stay healthy. Them two together are going to turn everyone into a different animal on that field they're all going to get more aggressive they're all going to start getting a lot faster and shit's going to go down i am adamant on that so that's all i've got to say about him but he impressed me a hell of a lot
0: yeah i agree with you I- I think I think the term the term for what you're saying there really is is being like a tone setter. I think when when you see him making those like the PDS that I mean he had a PD on on a fourth down play which was so Beautiful. good. He read it so well, he was in so quick and so sharp, and you know made that play. Just when you when you watch him, um, he really is a tone setter. He's full of juice. And uh, like you mentioned, Adams. Adams is another guy who flies around, throws his body into stuff, and just does things at such a such a speed and so much power that you know you don't give some players a chance to play. And and he's so good. He... The... <laughs> it's gonna be so good. The thing I was going to say earlier is when you draft a corner in with the fifth pick, right? You're picking a guy based on his traits at making. Big plays being a huge factor in your in your secondary. You don't pick a guy with a, with with a fifth pick and tell him to play cautiously. You tell him to go out there, trust his inst- instinct, and you put him in a position to make plays, force fumbles, punch the ball out, take interceptions, put yourself in positions to, to do big things that that sway a game. If you start telling him to be soft in coverage and just try and you know get some PDs here and there, you might as well draft a guy in the third round. Use your fifth round, use your fifth, your fifth pick on a defensive lineman or an edge rusher or a wide receiver. Because those guys will make plays for you doing the normal thing. You pick a cornerback there, you pick him based off the fact that he's going to change games and make big plays. If you tell if you tell Spoon, oh, you know, you you, you probably shouldn't have come up to set the edge there, you should have stuck with your man. Nah. You put him in a position to make plays and you give him free licence because that justifies your pick.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, Devin with a spoon. There's so much to talk about him. Um, We're going to do another rookie watch this week. Uh, So if you want an extended sort of look at our rookies and an extended sort of breakdown and, and, and sort of analysis of uh, of Witherspoon's performance from uh, from week two, then definitely tune into our rookie watch this week where we're gonna go even further into it and have a, a very interesting discussion, I'm sure, because I've got some things on Devin Witherspoon as well that I want to bring up in that pod. Um but I'm gonna segue into another cornerback. Um a guy who wasn't probably expecting to be on the field at all. Sariq Woolen goes down and then this little lad, this little gem comes onto the field and in some ways contributes massively to us winning the game, maybe wins us the game in, in, in some respects. Um Trey Brown, I mean, let let's just rave on him for a couple of minutes. because, you know what, the 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 lads deserved it. He's he's had to wait and wait and wait, um, you know, set back after setback with his injuries. Um and he's come in in and, and such a, a massive game for us in in a massive situation. Um he could have very easily have, have have been you know sort of exposed and targeted heavily by the Lions there, but he he stood up, showed them that he's a he's a very decent little cornerback in his own right. Um, four tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, two passes deflected, and of course that pick six, which I believe is his first pick six in his entire career. Um, what what can we say about Trey Brown? I mean. I know he got beat on the touchdown in the fourth quarter, um, in in the end zone. Other than that, I, I, there was, and that's just nitpicking, really, because I it, like it, it was a hard route to cover, really, for for him. Um, so that's just nitpicking. I was so happy for Trey Brown. Any any thoughts on him? Oh, um, just you just look at his stat line, and he had like
2: the complete game, didn't he? He had. One sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, two passes defense, one forced fumble, and one interception. That is what everyone got excited for when we drafted him. And you've got to also believe then that he can, in my opinion, he can only get better. Like he's still, he's still probably getting his feet, he's getting his confidence uh, with his injury. Like, you know. Fully letting himself loose. We heard Quandre talk about it. Was it last season where towards the back end of the season was only when he truly felt comfortable on his uh, ankle. And it's like, I'm guessing it happens with all all injuries um, to them DBs. And if that's what we're getting now. Like you said, he gave up that touchdown, really frustrating. Bit of the Jekyll and Hyde, you know of him. But... Yeah, for me overall, I thought he just had a complete game. He was everywhere. He did
0: a bit of everything he needed to do. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, the thing is with Trey Brown is that is that nickname that he's mentioned there, uh, Big Play Trey, at the end of the game, was, was a college nickname. But like you said, James, it was his first interception. So it's. He's, he's called big play Trey for, for the reason that he makes big plays in games, right? That's obvious. But the big plays he made in this game with the interception, that's not his game. So that for me shows um, progression and evolution of a player. He, he's obviously feeling like he's got a role, more of a role to play this year. Um, he's got he got so many snaps in preseason, and he was a starter in preseason. And he had as many good games as he had bad games. Granted, it was a bit of an up and down, but he had big moments in, in those games. Even in his worst games, he had big moments. The thing is with Trey Brown as well, coming out of college, his his calling card was um run defense and and hitting people really hard a bit like spoon but he didn't have the route the fully rounded game that that spoon has in terms of making plays in the air as well as in in run defense so Trey, trey brown did things in this game that are not his calling card big play trey sure this was more than big play trade, this is big play trade plus, because he was doing things that he's never done in this game, and that for me just shows a guy who's growing in confidence, who's, who's, um, who's really rising up the ranks in a very talented uh, DB room, and that's great to see.
2: When you were talking then, I was like, that's not his calling card, I was like, is he giving, is he
0: Happy with him or not? <laughs> no, no, I, no, am. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, he's doing, he's adding things to his game that aren't that aren't. <laughs> well, he's known yeah, for yeah, that's that's always a great thing. Like, um, you know, if if uh, for instance, if, if Rick Warren started getting sacks, I'd be like, it's not what it's calling card, but I'm happy it's happening. You know, it's it's like he's clearly adding more to his game. Maybe it's just the fact that he feels like he belongs at the NFL level. I think sometimes when guys are drafted and they get injured early, they still have an, it goes a long time before they answer that question. Am I an NFL level player or, you know, can I make it in this league? He's starting to feel like he belongs in the NFL. Um, And he is a, he's becoming a very established and important part of a very talented DB for me.
1: I'm going to segue into these guys. Um, Well, this guy, particularly Bobby Wagner um, and, and the run defense as a whole. Um, the, 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 over these first two weeks, and especially, especially last night as well, that is why you bring back Bobby Wagner. Again, like I said, forget the forget the sort of you know the niceties about bringing him back and 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 satisfying the fan base. All on that he is unbelievable in the run game. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, seventeen yards rushing, uh, and 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 Montgomery had about sixty something. Um, uh, like so, so, so good. He's so good, um, and 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 he's proven that he's nowhere near over the hill yet, in my opinion. And and, and Brooks as well, Jordan Brooks again, probably isn't hundred percent, but he was so good as well. Um, go on, Pez. I know I've, I've I've mentioned that name that that just triggers you into a, into giddish. Oh, go on. Do you know what I said it last week, and you you
2: hit the nail on the head with uh, them two. This linebacking group misses KJ, right? I, I, I've always seen it. I could be completely wrong, but in my memory of following this team when they drafted them, KJ's always been the past, past defending guy and Bobby's always been the run guy. Don't don't get me wrong, young young Bobby used to be all right in the uh, past defense, but as he evolved, he... He's just elite in run defending, and KJ just helped him that tandem because he was good in pass defending. The issue is, you've got two, in my opinion, the tackle numbers speak for themselves two elite run defending middle, uh, essentially middle linebackers together, and no pass defensive guy. Devin Bush has shown that he has potential to be able to do it, but them two together, they're just a they're just a, they're just a fucking formidable force. Like Jordan Brooks to come back, he looked sharper this week than he did last week. And that's a that's astounding. that's amazing. He's not lost any of his speed. Like they're starting to shoot him through the gap. And that's just what you need to do with Jordan Brooks. Like I loved him when we drafted him because I watched his college tape when he was at Texas Tech and he was a middle linebacker. And the things he did really well was know where the ball was, go and attack. That's that's just what he's elite at doing. That's why he's a first rounder, in my opinion. He was that guy because that's what his elite traits. Mm. Past defence, I don't know that deep into his college, but clearly it isn't a strong suit of his. And that's what, in, in, in that linebacking group as a whole, that's really what they should have done, was find a linebacker who's really good, at pass defence and he might be shite in the run, but you don't, it doesn't matter because you've got two guys who, when it's all said and done, if they stay healthy. They will beat one and two in this league at tackling. The way them two are going, the double digits every single week, no one can slow them down. Phenomenal. For him to come back from his injury as quick as he's done and to basically look like he's not lost a step in speed, I thought he would have lost his speed and he would have been pretty much washed. But he's just looked like he's carried just. Picked
1: up where he's left off. If they could find that sort of third linebacker to to say wait, we'll play Brooks and Wagner, and then instead of Bush, just have a a, a, a really good pass coverage linebacker, as that? And then you can run your three four however you want to run it. Then um, I think that's what they can they can do going forward. Um, oh, I'd like them to do. Mitch, any any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I I, I thought he's covered. He probably got quite good coverage grades. This this I don't I haven't I haven't got his PFF grade uh, for coverage to hand. Um, he was involved slightly more in coverage in this game and did quite well, I thought. Um, but like like Pez says, it, it's not his forte. Um, I, I've pulled up a little stat here for you, Pez. I knew it was ridiculous. I remembered it being ridiculous. But uh, how many tackles for a loss do you think, off the top of your head, Jordan Brooks had in his final year at college because it is a nutty stat? I remembered it being crazy when we drafted him. And uh, being excited about it for this reason, but it—I've just looked at it and it's made me smile because it's stupid. <laughs> I remember to, I
2: remember talking about when we drafted him and I was bullish on it.
0: <sighs> tackles
2: lost. Isn't it something like fifteen plus or something?
0: Yeah, it was twenty in one in one season. He had thirty-two in college and twenty in his final year with three sacks, one hundred and eight tackles. Nuts. Because the. um
2: it was because they changed him to middle linebacker because the coaching staff wanted him to be in the middle. They gave him the captain for his senior year. They wanted him in the middle of the field because they were getting gashed up. And he took it and he was a heat-seeking missile. But he's, honestly, I argue with everyone, like I love that kid, like I love how he plays, everything. We have not used him correctly. Every time you send him, or you go seek and destroy. He pretty much ninety nine times out of ten
0: will seek and destroy. Yeah, well, his his stats as well. Like he had six passes defensed in college. None of them were in that last year when they moved into middle linebacker. They yeah, put him in a position he, to to play to his strengths. Yeah, but also,
2: I remember him talking about it when we drafted him. He basically did what they wanted him to. He went out of a pass coverage type of thing with the past defenses and stuff where he actually wasn't that bad and if anything that's why it probably did it probably uh slowed his development down because Texas Tech wanted him to play run defense and that's why he is I don't know, He's a specialist what anyone
0: he says he's an elite run defender yeah, he is an elite run defender I mean, if I told you he had a season where he had two interceptions and three passes defensed, you wouldn't tell me that was that was Jordan Brooks. <laughs> it just doesn't sound anything like him. But he's got that. He's got that in his locker, and maybe maybe they did see see him as that Swiss Army knife to play alongside Bobby Wagner, you know, and eventually succeed, you know, succeed him um, in the middle and and be more of a specialist. Maybe that was the plan, but it hasn't panned out that way. And I do see that as something we need in the draft. There are a number of um seriously good prospects in the draft um projected around second second round third round who are fantastic middle linebackers with very very good coverage specialities cedric gray is the one that we'll, we'll come to when we get to the pre-draft process who i'm extremely high on i think we could get a great a great addition who uh north carolina i'll keep an eye on north, north carolina cedric gray superb player. Um, Johnny, anyway, Hall
1: yeah. all Johnny. <coughs> Shut up,
0: <you. laughs> But yeah, keep it out for Cedric Gray. I think he's the answer to to our our prayers in in the linebacker. Anyway, um, we were talking yeah. about Jordan Brooks in the game. I've not given my take on it, but um, I think you know, like I did say that I thought he was better in coverage. Um, he obviously shot the gaps brilliantly well. Like Pez said, he looked he looked extremely athletic. And I was worried a little bit for Jordan Brooks because it was a contract year and he was recovering and coming back. And I felt like it was the worst possible timing for him to try and put in the season of his career when he was returning from an extremely serious injury. But actually, I think the way he came back, that resiliency showed to do that, the, the diligence he put in, you know, the, the diligence with his recovery process, and to hit the ground running in the way he has, he's put himself in a fantastic opportunity, in well, a fantastic, sorry, a fantastic position to negotiate an extension with us, because he can say, "Yeah, I got hurt one season. This is how I've come back. I've come back. I hit the ground running." And you're seeing the best version of Jordan Brooks coming off an injury. I've got years to go, um, you know, and I'm only getting better. It could have been, mm. it could have been limping through the year, trying his best, hurting himself not looking himself like a shadow of of his previous seasons and what we're actually getting is a player that's really impressing all of us with in every in every facet possible
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i I totally agree i think he's proven his fitness now he's proven that he's not lost a step and um exactly i think they'll they'll do as long as it continues i think they'll 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 definitely extend him further um at the end of this season um I'm going to finish up with a D line. I don't have anything much to say on the D line personally, other than uh, Daryl Taylor has won my play of the year already in week two. Um, I have not stopped laughing at that Daryl Taylor sack <laughs> on Jared Goff that isn't a sack, which should still be ruled a sack because it was so brilliant when he when he obviously <laughs> thought he still had the ball and he just fucking lit his fucking clip <laughs> then it's just, oh, yeah. just poor Jared Goff just stood there just just. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's one nice of the you worst know it, I mean? it's,
0: it's one of the worst you know, <laughs> um, you know roughing the passer uh, situations you'll ever see and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fined for it but I, I don't think there's any maliciousness in it I think he genuinely believes he's still got the ball and yeah. he's absolutely railed him and it's it's fantastic <laughs> to see but it's also it's also
1: awful that he hasn't clocked it.
0: Right. It was. It was. Oh, he, he he, he everything about that fake.
1: Oh, did. It was, it was prime water boy, is what it was. It just reminded me of Waterboy boy and, and, and just Adam Sandler just fucking yeah. pinning his ears back and going for the quarterback. It was like you say, because he thought Jared Goff still had the ball and he thought he was doing
0: something. Committed it's just what makes it. it even funnier to me. Yeah, he just thought he'd really done something. Um, so the I, only, I in fact, it. the only so thing you I, didn't do, James, was celebrate it like a sack. That would have yeah. been even better. <laughs> if he got it pumping his, pump his chest pumping his chest like he, he just, just sacked it. him
1: and it, you know, that's, that's actually a penalty oh, I love Darren Taylor with all my heart I absolutely love
0: him yeah, the, the, oh, the D
2: line for me um, I know Mitch is going to talk about him in the rookie watch and he mentioned him in the Discord during the game but it's something I said to my brother I look, Cameron Young for me I just thought when we eventually get him on that field, there's just an. I, I look at him and there's, I get this air, like this feeling about him that when he eventually gets on that field and gets playing football, he is going to destroy people. He just looks like a man who, when he puts his helmet on, he looks angry before a helmet. When he puts a helmet on, I just think he probably like his strength goes up by 10 points on Madden, and he just goes and starts mauling people to death because, like, he had he had a tackle for loss this game, didn't he? But he just I, – I just think he's going to be a monster. But on a quick side note from the D-line, and then I'll let Mitch uh, say his pieces, was before we forgot and, um, like, didn't mention it, Jarrett Reed's special teams play
0: on that punt. And Jake YouTube. Bobo's as well, in the in the opposite corner where he caught the ball at like the 8. Oh, eight. That's a guy who about, supposedly
2: isn't quick, by the way. I was meant to talk about Jake Bobo whilst you mentioned him. Did any of you see what he did for one of Charbonnet's runs? Uh, was it, he came was it, in yeah. and he was like, he was lead Block. Uh, uh, was, he looked like Waterboy. I swear he was flailing his arms at one point when he ran into that pile and he was just mullering people out. Of the way. <laughs> oh yeah, I did,
0: I did. <laughs> What fantastic. a legend! What a guy! <laughs> like I need to stay on this team any which way I possibly can. I've never heard of a fucking run-blocking wide receiver like him. <laughs> He's a very committed player, isn't he? Old Jake Bobo. Love it. Love
2: He's a say. monster. I love him. But sorry.
0: Back to the D line, Mitch. What are your thoughts? <laughs> D line. I was I was pleased to see Draymond Jones get a sack. Um, I think there was a lot of hype about what he could be in this system, but at the moment, I don't think the system really knows what it is. Um, he, he's been he's been sold uh, the fact that he's playing three tech defensive end rather than a, a traditional sort of five or five I um, on the edge, and so far. We're not really playing a three-man front, so I think everything that 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 he's been told he's doing just hasn't really, or everything we were told they would be doing, hasn't really happened. It may well be the case they're telling us one thing and and they're scheming up something else. But it was nice to see him make an impact um, like that and and get on the uh, the box score with a sack. Uh, you mentioned Cameron Young as well. When when we were in the pre-draft process, I re- I, I said that I thought we'd draft Cameron Young um based off the fact that we'd interviewed him twice um i think one was possibly pro bowl, and then an interview and the reason i think that we really liked him was one the round we'd be able to get him and two what an what a rough diamond he was in the respect that i think i told you before in pre-draft i'd have to listen to what i said exactly but i but i would have said something like his get-offs really quick he has a, a, a habit for, for getting penetration, but doesn't have the closing speed to uh, to, to turn up on the like I say on the box score with sacks and tackles for losses because he doesn't close very well. He threatens to, he crushes the pocket, and it that tends to allow other people to feast because you end up having to double team him to stop him disrupting the the, the you know the line and then other people find room that they didn't find before. What we actually saw in this game was um, closing speed, for penetration, and then closing speed, and then also wrapping up and getting a tackle for a loss. So, that again for me shows huge, huge promise because he's doing things that he never managed to do in college. Um, so, it's that really excites putting, me.
2: When you put in our Discord about you thought he was having a good game, literally, I was like, oh, I forgot he was playing because I wanted to see how he was doing. And you said that as I was like, oh, decent, I'll have to go back and um like pay more attention to him. And literally, just as I read your message, um, there's a run play and he was all over running back, the, the running back pulled to the left. He did get wrapped up, but literally the second man to the ball was Cameron Young. I was like, shit, that guy's got some speed on him when he gets going. I wouldn't yeah, like we, to get
0: ball by him. It's a similar thing to Jake Bobo, actually, where where actual physical quickness doesn't relate to uh, just being twitchy and 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 um, like quickness and speed aren't the same thing, right? You can be you can be very uh, twitchy and quick and and uh, quick off the snap without actually being fast. And sometimes that split that split second of of jump that you have becomes a key in your a key weapon for you. And that's always been uh, his his thing. Um, and also getting off his blocks really well. So and you saw that like you say in that run stop where he's beaten his guy and um, he's got off his block and then made a play that that's fantastic for him that that's that's really really promising and it up it if he starts to command um, starting snaps at nose our defensive line becomes fresher because Jaron Reed then enters the defensive end rotation rather than the, you know, being the starting nose. And the whole defensive line becomes fresher and more rotated and we're also better protected from injuries. So Cameron Young getting himself established was a real good thing for us this week.
1: It was a real good thing for us this week. There was so many really good things for us this week. I hope that we've touched on as many of them as we possibly can in the time frame that we've got. Like you said, um, for a more sort of in-depth look at our rookies, um, please do head over to our Rookie Watch episode that will be out this week as well. We do weekly ones that Mitch hosts. It's his forte. Uh, we go well in-depth into our rookies every week, our rookie performers. Um, so if we want to talk about more about JSN, Devin Witherspoon, Cameron Young, all these guys who are showing up this week and second-year players as well, then... That that's your place to be that's your place to be so don't miss it um but as always a massive massive thank you for t- for all of you who tune in us for our main pod um I-, I hope you're feeling as good as we are i don't want to fallboard a false dawn or anything like that but it feels like maybe maybe just maybe our season has finally kick-started after that abysmal week one performance we've got that winning feeling back and now we've got Carolina at home, which is the Super Bowl reunion week. Yeah, destroy um,
2: the Panthers next week with all them lot there. Well, there going to be
1: juice. It's just
2: quick positive Pez JSN. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Is that is this his breakout game? Is it just just a raised eye? I'll take that as a yes. And...
2: Any any betting any betting people listen,
1: the brace
0: or the uh, yeah.
2: uh, hat trick. Maybe put a quid on it.
0: Okay, no. I think we'll see Jackson take take eight, eight receptions for about seventy to eighty yards, um, and possibly a touchdown in that game. I think they'll scheme him in. Someone's, they'll, they'll someone's really, had a I really, I really think they'll um, they'll try and establish uh, him in the slot, and then they'll hit they'll hit the deep ball um, in that game. I'm certain. Cam
2: Walker too. Charbonnet is going to get his first touchdown. Red zone, five yards mm-hmm. out. He's just going to bulldoze in. Dino might give him a
1: tap on the bum to help him over that line. Charbonnet's first oh, touchdown. Oh. Here we come. Lucky <laughs> okay, boy. Um, I, I, I hope Lopez, so, and you'll be sure to hear about me championing him and cheering him to the hills when he does do that on this podcast. You know how I feel about that boy. Um, but as always, a massive thank you for listening. Tune in to us whenever you can. Uh, whenever we we uh, we release new pods, um, as always, you can find us on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you get your social medias will be on there. Just search We Talk Seahawks as well as our Discord, um, like I say, where we have a lot of fun, a lot of uh, little different servers on there, and uh, some interesting game day discussions and, and non game day discussions alike. Um, and I'm sure it's going to get even more interesting as the weeks go. There's going to be even more talking points um, as we find out more about what this Seahawks team in 2023 is going to look like. Um, but for now, it is a big old. Go Hawks.
0: Go Hawks. Hawks.